Welcome to episode 236 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. Um, I'm not the normal voice you would expect to intro this, but figured this morning when I learned that my darling fiancé has been pulled into some sort of a legal battle and has the potential to be sued or something along those lines, I needed to understand what the heck is going on. So it was Sunday morning and I woke up and I told Brenda that... uh, Chris Kuleris, spelled incorrectly, has been named as a potential defendant uh, in a lawsuit that Andrew Highway is exploring. So here's what we're going to do on episode 236 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. We are going to interact, Brenda and myself, uh, the interview between Pinball News and Andrew Highway. Uh, Brenda will be taking on the role of Martin at Pinball News and will ask the questions, and I will be doing my best. Uh, to play the role of Andrew Highway, and I will read his responses. How does that sound, Brenda? I think this sounds like I'm going to learn a lot. All right, so let's jump right in, and then we're going to discuss what our thoughts are on this entire story after we go through the interview, but let's jump right in. Brenda, I give you the mic. Cool. Um, So why are you doing this interview? There are two sides to every story, and I have the right to put my side of the story forwards. You've been involved in a number of previous businesses, including advertising and racing. Was Highway Pinball the largest of these? Yes, it was. Hmm. Are any of the previous businesses still trading? No. What happened to them? Why are they not all successful companies today? One of the biggest lies circulating about me today is that I have eight failed companies behind me. When doing research on me, Eight previous director or company secretary listings of me are listed. I did not own all of these companies and was not even a shareholder in some of them. If the original researcher had undertaken proper research, then they would know that a company posted as dissolved does not mean liquidated. Sometimes companies simply cease trading. If accounts are not filed with companies house in the UK, then the companies are naturally dissolved by companies house as a matter of course. There is zero evidence to say that any of these companies were liquidated. The question was why are none of these companies a success? Or are they even still trading? What I am wondering is, do you have a history of running companies for the short term and then closing them down? Or are there any long-term successes? I have run or been involved in different businesses over the last 28 years since I left school. I was involved in motor racing for a while when that activity ceased, then there was no need for the company anymore. I was involved in another company as a director and a company secretary, but not a shareholder, and left when my contract ended. I also lived and worked overseas at various periods when a UK company would no longer be needed. I understand that you are looking for patterns here, but there are none. Someone can legitimately run or work in a number of different companies within a 28-year period. Before setting up Highway Pinball, have you ever managed a team of employees before? Yes, both in business, both in businesses I've run and in businesses in which I was employed. Do you think you were up to the task of managing that many employees? Yes, I do. But circumstances made this more difficult as time went on. Do you consider yourself an honest man? Yes, I do. I have to live with myself and my own values. 
How do you reconcile that with making so many promises about people's games or replacement parts being delivered, often to their face at pinball shows, and then not fulfilling those promises, knowing you wouldn't be delivering on them? Your assumption is that I knew we couldn't deliver on our or my promises. We always prioritize sending out replacement parts. Delays sometimes occurred because we had to wait for replacement parts to be built or delivered. Replacing populated playfields was nearly impossible in the early stages of production. What people should understand is that every time we thought we had overcome one problem, then other problems occurred and led to more delays. In hindsight, I was often overly optimistic with our timelines, and so I understand why people feel that I lied to them, but I honestly never intentionally misled customers. I did my best to keep my promises, but often fell short. I absolutely did not live up to my own expectations of myself, but I never intentionally lied to customers either. In hindsight, we absolutely did not have the resources to be the company that I wanted us to be. Our customer services, technical support, quality control, and electronics departments all suffered from underfunding compared to our rivals. Our technical platform was pitched very high but was too much for a company of our limited resources. Hindsight teaches us a lot. Did you really believe you would ship games in that timescale you stated, despite everyone, even the game designer, telling you those dates were ridiculous? Why did you not listen to what everyone was telling you? Yes, I did believe it. But as each week went by, the mountain of tasks got bigger and bigger. In hindsight, I vastly underestimated what it would take to build a world-class game. But the biggest killers for us were the technical and supplier problems that we suffered and our lack of resources meant it took us much longer to fix problems that it should have done. Hmm. There seemed to be a trail of dissatisfied and disgruntled people who have worked with you or for you or had business dealings with you in the past. Every time I have told someone I'm sharing a room with you at a show, I always got the same reaction. Good luck getting him to pay his share. Why does nobody seem to have a good word to say? It is human nature to put down someone in my position. Also, in this social media age, everyone has an opinion. Ex-employees are ex-employees for a reason. If someone gets fired, for example, do you expect them to have good things to say? As a pinball dealer, I traded hundreds of pinball machines and most of those transactions went smoothly and without problem. Also, people love to jump on the bandwagon and see other people criticizing me and want to join in. But one of my characteristics is that I am a fighter and I fought for five long years to keep the company alive and achieve its goals. Sometimes when you fight so hard, you make enemies. I'll end this point by asking you a question. We shared a room on quite a few occasions over the last six years. Do I owe you any money for any of these rooms? <laughs> Did I honor my commitment to pay my share of the room at Expo 2017 when I didn't even attend the event? We both knew the answer. We both know the answer is yes to those questions. You also seem to have a history of not paying people or suppliers, or only paying them when absolutely forced to, such as before being taken to court. Is there an ethical way? Is this an ethical way to operate? No, it isn't. But as I said in my previous answer, sometimes you have to fight for survival. Owning a business is often about juggling, and many times you have to prioritize certain payments over others. A well-funded company doesn't have to fight so hard. This was one of our biggest shortfalls. Hmm. Was the continued survival of Highway Pinball the number one priority for you dur during the time in charge? 
overriding all other considerations? Absolutely. The survival of the company and everyone, everything directly associated with it was always the number one priority. There are many people who can vouch that I regularly went over the edge and beyond the call of duty to keep the company alive. Some have suggested that I didn't care about the business and this is simply ridiculous. My passion and commitment were there for everyone to see. I put the company ahead of every aspect of my life, including my health. As many will tell you, I have been unsuccessfully battling diabetes for years now and it was impossible to set aside any time for my health. But I cared about every single customer of the company and was determined that every paying customer would receive their paid for game or refund. I departed the company because the investor group promised it would happen and had no other option but to leave. Nothing was more important? Nothing was more important. Employee wages were always the first priority. The original first game was... Circe's. Circe's Animal House, a party-themed mix with ancient Greek mythology. Eventually, after several showings, you accepted that it was a more poor theme choice and ultimately uh, picked a love of yours, motorcycle racing, as a good replacement theme. Do you think this was a wise decision given a subsequent sales number? This wasn't the driving factor behind this theme change. The speed of the gameplay pushed the theme towards something fast. Motor racing or car-themed games had been coveted or covered extensively by our competitors over the years. Motorcycle racing had barely been covered over the last few decades, and this is why it was chosen. Ultimately, it was my belief that unlicensed games generally sell very poorly compared to licensed games, and Full Throttle was up against strong licensed games from our competitors at the time. Many pro pinball players and actual game owners love the game. Dave Sanders and I had big arguments over the theme of the game. Ultimately, we listened to the opinions and advice of two world-class pinball designers and changed the theme from Circe. Why did you insist Playball, Playboy was a good idea for a theme when everyone was telling you it was misogynistic, outdated, and potentially downright offensive in this day and age? It was always my intention to cover a broad spectrum of themes for our future pinball titles. I was personally fed up with the endless stream of superhero-themed games and games targeted at children. I also have a personal dislike for adults being treated like children in general. And I wanted an adult theme where groups of adults could play a game that was more relevant to them. Bally released one Playboy game, Daddy East another, and Stern one more again. And these were at times when Playboy as a brand was far more controversial than it is today. Playboy as a brand and pinball as an activity have their paths in history intertwined. I believed it would be a popular game choice amongst adults. Hmm. This appears to be part of a pattern of everyone telling you something is a bad idea and then you ignoring them and doing it anyway. Do you think you welcome others' opinions and listen to them? Many of these patterns you are talking about concern ex-employees and as I've previously said, many are ex for a reason. I believe that I often welcomed other opinions. For example, we had endless meetings about Alien and many team members had direct input into the game and how it turned out. This would not have happened if I controlled every aspect and every decision without counsel as you have suggested. Did you pay yourself a salary at Highway Pinball? Yes. How much was that? In year four, it was 40,000 pounds for the year and in year five, it was 45,000. However, in reality, the actual figure amount up to approximately 25,000 of 30,000 pounds each year, as I put a substantial amount 
of money back into the company via personal loans I took out for the company. Proceeds from selling pinball games in my own personal collection, funds from my personal bank account, and funds from my personal credit cards. Often, I would even pay for wages and parts from my personal bank account and credit cards. Before my shares were sold to the investor group, the company personally owed me in excess of 54,000 pounds. All of these claims can be verified by the company's accountants. What personal benefits did the company pay for? Car, house, living expenses, loans, storage, the purchase, rental or leasing of any equipment not directly related to the design and manufacture of highway pinball machines? In general, most items listed above were part of my salary package and wage. There was also a degree of consolidation at the end of each accounting year by the company's accountants. As professional accountants, they have a legal responsibility to report the exact situation of the company, including my own personal affairs relating to the company. Could you clarify that? Are you saying those listed expenses came out of your salary or that they were additional to that salary of 40,000 or 45,000 pounds? The listed expenses, where applicable, would be consolidated as part of my salary package and director's loan account balance. Who gets to see these accounts? Company accounts get submitted to the company's house as per normal rules. Did you pay all of your employees a salary too? This is a strange question. All employees were paid salaries and all salaries were logged with and calculated by the company's accountants. Who at the company didn't you pay a salary to and why? Contractors were paid retainers and not salaries. Dave Sanders, for his own reasons, chose to work for the company on a voluntary basis. I know that is a widely discussed and controversial topic and so I will address it in detail. Dave and I have been friends for nearly nine years. Dave shared the company dream from the very beginning. At the start, Dave had the opinion, or sorry, the option to be directly involved with the company, including shares, and he declined. In 2015, I told Dave that the company's finances were much healthier and asked him if he would consider becoming a paid employee. Again, Dave declined. Dave has certain personal reasons why he declined, but I'm not breaking any confidences by stating that Dave had his own reasons for doing everything on a voluntary basis. One big reason that I can discuss is that Dave wanted the freedom to come and go as he pleased, with no set working days or working hours as an employee would have. Dave always preferred working from home, and when he did visit the factory, he would often be found playing pinball games on the factory floor. Of course, Dave wasn't going to do all of this for nothing, but he wanted to be paid retrospective royalties for his design work in the future. Dave had his own reasons for wanting this and so no way can I be accused of manipulating Dave or taking advantage of him. What was I supposed to do, force Dave to take a salary? Dave and I have had a number of discussions about his future contract, and it's true. We had our own disagreements about this. My personal preference was that part of such a package would see Dave become a shareholder in the company. Dave preferred to have higher royalties instead. Between April through June of 2017, both Dave and I agreed that it would be more prudent for his contract to be finalized with the new owners of the company, such a deal proceeded. Dave is a very nice guy and his heart is absolutely in the right place. I also completely understand his anger and dismay about the situation, but I believe his anger should be directed at the investor group. Dave told me approximately a month ago that he had signed a contract previously with the investor group and he seemed very happy about this. Dave did not discuss any details of this contract with me. I've heard reports that Dave is now suffering financially as a result of his contract breach. 
If this is true, then this is grossly unfair. The question needs to be seriously asked as to whether the investor group led Dave on with a false contract when it would appear that they had every intention of closing the company down once the alien license had expired. Even though Dave appears to be blaming me online for this situation, I feel very bad for Dave that he has been put into this situation. Dave does not deserve this treatment on any level. What did you personally get out of selling your stake in Highway Pinball? This matter is covered by a legally binding confidentiality clause and therefore I cannot comment on this. Are you personally being chased for any outstanding debt from your time at Highway Pinball? Yes, considerably so. I am being chased for a large sum of money I was personally guarantor on many loan and finance deals taken out for the company. The investor group accepted the responsibility of changing guarantees over to themselves but ultimately refused to do this. They knew full well that this chain of events would happen and I believe that it was part of their overall plan. I expect to suffer to the tune of at least 25 to 30,000 pounds from this liquidation, maybe more. When you left Highway Pinball, what was your understanding about what was to happen with the company and what changes the investment group would make? I never wanted to leave the company. I was pursuing other financial solutions for the company, but I didn't have the time to see these through. The investor group made clear that they were prepared to put considerable funds into the company to save everyone involved, but that I was to depart the company so they could assume control. I cannot discuss any details of my departure from the company as they are covered under a confidentiality clause. It has been suggested that I duped or misled the investor group, but I can categorically deny this. One of the duties that is legally required of any purchaser of a majority shareholder in a UK company is that they must perform due diligence on their proposed investment. What would you consider to be a reasonable period of due diligence for five allegedly wealthy and successful businessmen? One day, one week, one month? Their due diligence period lasted for three months. During this time, they spoke to every employee, contractor, supplier, and distributor in great length. They were regularly in the factory during these three months and spent a huge amount of time understanding every aspect of how the business worked, including every aspect of the technical setup of the company's games. The investor group also went public with their intentions and told everyone that they would make sure that all customers would receive their games and refunds. If this is true, then why? Once the deal to purchase my shares had been completed, did the investor group form a brand new company called Pinball Brothers, allegedly run all parts purchasing and new sales through this company, and transfer all of the Highway Pinball's intellectual property into their new company, as reported to me on Thursday, May 3rd, 2018, by MB Insolvency, the company handling the insolvency of Highway Pinball. It would appear that the company was asset stripped at an early stage and by the end of April 2018, few assets remain to liquidate for any customers, creditors of Highway Pinball Limited. It has been reported that the investor group has exported all company parts back to Europe. Does this seem fair to customers? It has also been reported that the investor group shipped a number of finished alien games to Europe to secretly sell to new customers. Why are these games not being delivered to customers of Highway Pinball who paid for their games a long time ago? The truth would appear to be that they always had every intention of closing the company down once the alien license had expired and had no intention of sending existing customers their games or issuing them with any refunds. It appears that they did the bare minimum to drag the company through till April 2018 before liquidating it. Also, let me refer back to Dave Sanders again. It was Dave that designed Full Throttle on Alien and apparently took over design of Queen and other games. I believe that Dave is the legal owner of the design rights to these games and as such, he should take legal advice 
on any actions he can take against the investor group, including the recovery of any games that they may be trying to sell in Europe. Quite simply, I question whether Pinball Brothers actually owns any of the design rights to any of Highway Pinball's games. Let me finish this point by being 100% clear again. I did not want to depart from the company. I wanted to stay and honor the company's commitment to every single customer to ensure they receive their games and for the company to thrive in the future. When faced with only one option for the company to continue and survive, I sold my stake to investors who promised they would honor these commitments, but only if I departed the company. If you were faced with such a decision, wouldn't you do the same? You do know there is a GoFundMe campaign set up to help Dave pay his living expenses. How does that make you feel? I feel absolutely gutted that Dave has been put in this position by the investor group for the reasons I stated previously. It appears he was given a false contract by the investor group and undertook work for them. On the basis of this contract, even though they apparently planned all along to close down the company and invalidate his contract, Dave really needs to take legal action on what his options are, and I would be more than willing to assist Dave if he wants my help. What did you know about the Pinball Brothers company, and when did you first know about them? I was told about the pending insolvency by a smaller investor a few days before it was revealed to the public. I heard about the existence of Pinball Brothers the day before news broke online about the insolvency. I first spoke to the insolvency company handling this business, MB Insolvency, on Thursday, May 3rd, 2018. Mark Hunt told me that, that the assets of the business were stripped a long time ago and were now owned by Pinball Brothers. Does this sound like a fair deal to customers and creditors of the company? I also have been told that the investor group had disposed of two pinball machines that belonged to a finance company, a Walking Dead LE and a Wizard of Oz Standard Edition. I'm waiting to hear from the finance company as to whether they wish to involve the police in this matter. I still can't believe that they have done what they have done. Do you think Highway Pinball was in good shape when you sold your stake? Our serious problem started in Pinball Expo 2016, and I believe that sabotage played a big part in the company's problems. There were some people in the pinball industry who were very threatened by Alien and how it could harm their own game sales. Does this claim sound far-fetched? Here are some facts for you. This is a chain of events that began at Pinball Expo. Number one, company tools and electronics were stolen from Highway Pinball stand in the main exhibition hall at the Westin Hotel. Number two, on announcing the state of full throttle production at Expo, a fraud campaign was launched against Highway Pinball customers. This was a planned and targeted campaign. Customers were told to pay Highway Pinball bank accounts and send special instructions on how to do so. These were fraudulent bank accounts, each one with a different bank account number for each customer. Confidence in our payment system was decimated as we were urgently wrote to all customers telling them not to make any payments to accounts reporting or purporting to be ours. Two customers were conned and paid over 12,000 euros to these fraudulent accounts. I spent many hours in Chicago on the phone to the UK police, the serious fraud office and the individual banks in question. The planning of this fraud campaign was meticulous and its timing was planned and targeted. Three. Significant online campaigns were launched to defame the company and myself personally. Advice is being taken on possible legal action. The online campaign against the company was so bad that the likes of Owen Clipsham, Rubber Ducks on Pinside, wrote directly to Highway Pinball customers trying to convince them to cancel their orders and get refunds. I have proof about this and am seeking legal advice about this matter. These events led to mass customer cancellations that a company of our size and in our position was not able to deal with. The situation deteriorated to the point 
where more funds were needed or the company would not would have to close. Why do you think that the business was liquidated just nine months after you left? I believe that the investor group had no intention of honoring any of its financial commitments and that they have every intention of asset stripping the company and liquidating the following at the end of the alien license. The investor group who took over the running of Highway Pinball are saying that they didn't realize the true state of the company's finances and operational problems, that you hid a number of liabilities, and that the actual situation they found was so bad that they could not continue losing money. What do you think about that as an explanation to the liquidation? As mentioned previously, the investor group conducted a thorough audit of the company over a three-month period and therefore conducted their due diligence which they are legally bound to undertake. The company's accountants hold documents that prove the extensive statements I officially made to the investor group about the state of the company and its dealings. The investor group absolutely knew what they were getting into. I'm sure the most intelligent people will understand what really happened when they understand the situation and story behind Pinball Brothers. During your tenure as head of the company, your use of language appeared almost deliberately misleading at times, saying, for instance, that a title was shipping, when in reality, you might have only sent one out, out incomplete or a prototype game to a distributor or to a show. Was it your intention to mislead? And if so, to what end? To bring in more orders and more money? I think I have already discussed this point in detail previously. Even when the game was deemed to be ready and I was confident of making such claims, a new bombshell, often technical, would delay matters further. I never set out to mislead anyone. What can you do or say to all those people who paid money to you for games they never received and are now never likely to receive? I deeply regret this situation. I did my very best and understand that I fell short of most people's expectations. I sold the company in good faith in the full belief that everyone would receive their games or refunds. I believe the promises of the investor group like everyone else did. The end result is nothing short of shameful. If you were a customer who prepaid and never received a game, what would you do? I would be asking serious questions of the investor group and how they apparently misled everyone for the reasons I have stated in this interview. In hindsight, I very much regret that we took pre-orders for Alien. I knew many of the company's customers personally. We met at pinball shows, drank beers, laughed, and shared our passion of pinball together. My name was in the company name. I was proud of what we were doing and wanted everyone to receive and enjoy our games. I can only feel ashamed and disappointed by the end result. You had a large following on social media, both highly supportive and actively hostile with everything in between. How did comments on social media impact the business, both your comments and those of others? They had a huge impact on the business. I managed the situation as best as I could in ever more difficult circumstances. The actions of a few people, such as Owen Clipsham, Rubber Ducks, and Chris Kuleris, Canada, directly contributed to customer cancellations and what is termed a run on the bank. I'm currently seeking legal advice against both individuals. They weren't the only ones. There were plenty of other people who did their best to make customers cancel their orders. I also accept that my unrealistic timeframes impacted negatively on the business. Do you think any of the negativity was justified? I think that the negative comments from paying customers is absolutely justified. There is no excuse for customers not receiving their games or refunds. What would you do differently on social media if you could go back? I would not have taken any pre-orders and I would have greatly um, overestimated, not underestimated my timelines and announcements. Where did the money to buy the Curl Curl hydrofoil come from? No company funds were used to purchase any hydrofoils. 
Can you guarantee that none of the highway pinball investors or pre-order money was spent on the curl curl? What the hell is that? Or to help fund your hydrofoil adventure? Yes, absolutely no funds relating to investors or the company were used in this venture. Was it just a coincidence then, coincidence then that you registered a new company for the hydrofoil in the same week you told alien buyers that the game was ready to ship and they could send in their final payments, September 2016? Yes, it was a coincidence. The company's formation cost less than 50 pounds and I simply wanted to protect the company name for a possible future business venture. The company was predominantly dormant and unused until I departed Highway Pinball in June of 2017. This claim can be confirmed by official company filings. Do you think the fallout from the Highway Pinball situation will damage your plans for the Curl Curl? I am sure there are people who would like me to disappear completely and not engage in any future activity of any kind. When the investor group made their investments in Highway Pinball, what changes did they demand in return for that investment? Other than my forced departure from the company, I cannot comment on the specifics of my departure for legal reasons. Before the investor group became involved, was the company Highway Pinball the one and only business involved in the making of your games, or were there any subsidiaries, sisters, or related businesses with any financial involvement? I was advised in an early stage to set up a separate company so the sales and manufacturing could be kept separate. For this reason, Highway Pinball Sales Limited was formed. However, the separation never gathered any steam and most of the business activities remained with the main company, Highway Pinball Limited. No intellectual property assets ever changed hands between these companies. Therefore, to answer your question, other than this one technical exception, all businesses relating to the making of the games were handled by Highway Pinball Limited until my departure in June 2017. Was the Highway Pinball Company the same business you began rather earlier when based in Ireland? I was trading personally as Highway Pinball when I was living in Ireland, yes. The business only became a private limited company when I moved back to the UK in 2012. How much of the manufacturing equipment was owned by the company and how much was leased, borrowed or on any other kind of finance? A lot of the equipment was obtained through higher purchase and lease purchase agreements. Some equipment was purchased outright and financed retrospectively. Some equipment was owned by the company outright when I departed the company. If present, presented with an asset list by the liquidator, then I can comment on the specifics and what equipment I believe should be owned directly by the company. Was Highway Pinball money used for anything other than the operating expenses and stock purchasing? Was it, for instance, used to help fund the UK pinball party shows or buy or lease pinball or arcade machines? I believe that I've answered most of these questions previously. The UK pinball party was used as a promotional vehicle by Highway Pinball, often for new announcements and product launches, and did contribute some sponsorship funds accordingly to the show. How many full throttle and alien machines were produced. For legal reasons, I will not answer this question. Mm -hmm. Why is releasing this information a problem? It will be useful for the IPDB to have complete production details for both games. As I have no as I've had no involvement with the company since June of 2017, I have no information as to how many alien games were produced following my departure. In any case, I am unsure of the legalities pertaining to disclosure of this information. Therefore, I will not comment further. Sorry. Has the license for Alien now expired? I have not had any involvement in running the company since June of 2017. I have heard the rumors that it was not renewed. You will have to seek confirmation from the investor group. It was due to expire at the end of December 2017, right? I am not commenting on this specifically. You would seem to be well informed. 
Can any existing alien machine still be sold by Pinball Brothers or whoever now has the remaining stock? If the license has indeed inspired, then I believe the answer is no. I am sure Fox would be very angry to hear that games were being sold after the expiration of this license. If I was Dave Sanders, for reasons I have discussed earlier, I would be taking legal advice to pertaining to the ownership of the game designs. Was the Queen license in the name of Highway Pinball? If so, do you believe it was transferable to another company? A good question, and one that I cannot answer for legal reasons. It would be easy for someone to find out this information. Hmm, it seems odd you can't comment. Where might one look to find out such information? It is common public knowledge that Bravado Agency handles most affairs for Queen. You were very keen on the use of non-disclosure agreements or NDAs to prevent people talking about business critical matters such as licenses, design or, fi or finances. Um, now you are not running the company and it is about to be liquidated. Do you release these people under NDA from them? NDAs are legal documents that I would assume would remain legally binding. What is the point of having an NDA if everyone wants to break them? Sadly, many people will post matters anonymously, even though they have signed NDAs or simply break the terms of the NDA anyway. These are cowardly acts, in my opinion. The NDAs would would have been contracts between the individuals and either Highway Pinball or you personally. Once Highway Pinball ceases to exist, those contracts with Highway Pinball would become void as there is no company to which reputational or financial harm could be done. You could say that as far as you are concerned, anyone under an NDA is released from it. They will be able to, they will be, able to be in a position to confirm any of your points. You are making a number of assumptions here. What if a third party was to purchase the company from the liquidators? What if the company's IP that has been allegedly transferred over to Pinball Brothers includes a transfer of confidentiality agreements? Therefore, I have nothing further to add. Can you ever see yourself being involved in the pinball business in any way ever again? No. Even if I wanted to, mo to most people, the truth is unimportant. The accusations against me will stay. Looking back at everything that has happened, what lessons have you learned about starting a pinball business? And probably more importantly, what would you do differently if you could go back and start again? A lot more capital investment, simpler game features, no pre-orders, and realistic timelines expectations. You said in your post on Pinside that you would defend your integrity. How do you think your integrity stands after this whole episode? Some things said about me are true. I accept my responsibilities, but there are, have also been a lot of lies about me. Many people criticize the UK pinball community, and it's true. There's a lot of toxicity in that community. I gave a lot to the UK pinball community over the last 15 years and personally feel betrayed by many of them. With some notable exceptions, I never felt there was any real support from the UK community for what our company was trying to do. On the flip side, I love dealing with everyone at the US shows. There are a lot of knowledgeable pinball fans in the States, and it was a pleasure to meet so many enthusiastic pinball folk. I made a lot of good friends in the USA and thanked them for all their support over the last year and the last few weeks in particular. His name's Hilton. Whatever the facts are, my reputation and integrity have been destroyed by the many accusations against me. Once it no longer exists as a company, what do you think Highway Pinball's lasting legacy will be? Do you think it'll be remembered in a positive light? Because of recent events in the last year in particular, the answer is a clear no. But take a look at the games the company produced. Bacardi Baffle Ball, a quality game and a huge success for Bacardi. Full throttle, critically acclaimed by some of the best pinball players on the planet, <coughs> Hilton, if not a commercial success. Alien Pinball, look at the depth of this game. This is not a game that was born and appeared overnight. It took years to develop a world-beating game. 
Time equals money. Technical delays equal money. Speak to customers of Highway Pinball Games. Many have had technical problems, but there are also many customers' games that are fully working. Many will tell you how well-built the games are, how solid they are, how technically superior they are to our rivals' games. All this technology needs time to invent, and time to develop, and time to nurture. Some of our biggest challenges were the hardware and software systems. Roman Fontaine, who was a great technical director, Bubba. Bubba, did you know Roman Fontaine? Bubba's, Bubba's over this. Bubba's like, this no, is I taking think Bubba, way too long. I think Bubba's like the lawyer for Roman Fontaine. <laughs> the second he heard that name, he just like went nuts. All Shut right, up, Bub. Let's jump back in. Roman Fontaine, I'm like looking at Bubba, who was the great technical director, couldn't even fix the problems with I.O. boards that he designed. In the eight months before he left the company, we took on too much technically. I absolutely accept that. The company also had huge supplier problems. In particular, there were huge problems with the playfields from our supplier. In one shipment, more than 90% of the playfields were rejected by us. It caused the company massive problems and delays. The multiple software and hardware problems at every turn led to more and more delays. It was a very difficult situation to manage. With hindsight, we needed much greater resources and more key technical staff to truly fix the game's technical issues. It is also my personal opinion that the investor group did not hire the correct personnel to overcome the outstanding technical issues. Without hiring an experienced technical director, then nobody was truly qualified to understand the technical issues and most importantly, fix them. But the fact remains that customers were owed money at the end. That is not acceptable on any level. What will you do now? The investor group Pinball Brothers have done a great job in deflecting the blame about this sorry situation to me. Whilst apparently running away from all the debts and responsibilities and taking all of the main highway pinball assets with them, have they even publicly apologized for any of this? This is a witch hunt now, an angry mob with their pitchforks where the truth or my side of the story doesn't seem to matter. Many people will comment that I'm now a wealthy individual. The opposite is true and I will personally prove to you, if necessary, that I'm heavily in debt. Personal threats have been made against me and my home address has even been posted online by forum members. I think the safety and security of my family is my main priority now. All right, I think that's it. I think we're at, oh, hold on, wait. In addition to the points raised during this interview, there have been many accusations made against Andrew on various online forums concerning his governance of Highway Pinball's finances and his personal interactions with former employees or contractors. Rather than address them all one by one in an interview, Andrew requests the opportunity to address these claims in a separate statement below. All right, so guys, I'm not going to read all this. I want to I want to pick out some stuff that was interesting. Um, Alien Pinball. Oric Lawson did a great job with the Alien artwork given the limited resources given to us by Fox. Brian Allen was brought on board because Oric Lawson's LE backlash wasn't good enough. I held a public vote at a pinball show and he had run out of ideas by then. Brian did an amazing job with the LE backlash art that luckily Fox also liked. Defamatory and libelous slanderous comments have been made about me by the likes of Owen Clipsham, Phil Palmer, Owen... Owen, Edwin, Edwin Meadows, Chris Kuleris, spelled wrong, and a number of other people. Many of these people have their own agendas and well-informed people know this. I never bought a Porsche 
Uh, never bought new Porsche, new minis, swimming pools, or tropical islands, and has been alleged. I did drive a 12-year-old Porsche that I sold in 2017 for 6,500 pounds. I no longer own the car. Thank you to the many amazing people I met and worked with in this industry hobby. I leave the industry with great sadness that I was unable to complete my mission in pinball and also deep sorrow that some customers did not receive their games and refunds from a company that I had my name in the title. All right, so Brenda, that concludes uh, the interview. Thank you for sticking it out. I know that was a lot to read and, and process. So now you're pretty much up to speed with where we're at, right? You saw me accused as being one of the people that was on a mission to sabotage the company. What, what are your thoughts? Bubba, Bubba. Bubba clearly has some thoughts he wants to share. He's like, Bubba is Roman Fontaine's lawyer and he would like to bring up Roman Fontaine's mention in this interview. Um, so what are your thoughts, Brenda? Um, I think he has a lot to say for not really saying much, right? It was a lot of long-winded repetitiveness. Um, overall, I just don't understand how he feels like he could possibly have a case against you or anyone else when uh, nothing you said was or put out there was falsely reported, nor was it stuff that you were, uh, in his opinion, maybe making up. This was stuff that was fed to you by people who were close to him in the situation, correct? Right. So... I I think that's the point that Andrew misses in, in all of this is that I didn't wake up one day and say, hey, I'm going to go on a mission to take down this pinball company, right? I think what he fails to realize is that the information that was sent to individuals like myself, like Rubber Ducks, the other people out there, all that information was coming from people who were validating and giving us an insight into what was going on behind the scenes at, at Highway Pinball. And it wasn't a good picture. And so for us to get this information, what, what were we to do with it, right? I think, we're, should we have shared it with the pinball people out there and tried to protect people from potentially losing money? Or should we have kept quiet? As I think, you know, he's sort of saying none of that information should have been shared. I think any customer who has money on the line, regardless of whether it's in pinball or in any industry, if someone has information that that is a product you should not invest in, then as a customer, yes, I want to know that. I want to know all the information about what I'm getting into right. before I put my hard-earned dollars or, or pounds or euros, whatever it might be, on the line. Right. Well, the other, the other thing, too, is, and I think this is the point that I think Andrew kind of admits that he made a big mistake, is when you look at the time frame of when he said games would ship, and all of the sort of the negative information about the company, it really only started to surface around 2016 um, because people had waited you know, over a year for their games and it became apparent that production was not starting anytime soon. And that's when I think just the dam broke where people were like, actually, it's probably not gonna happen. That full throttles shipping is not proof that the company is in a position to financially get people their alien machines. I'll say this too, and this is the point where like when I see my name being called out as trying to take down this company, I cover the entire pinball industry, right? No one has ever sent me anything to, to indicate that there's any real problems at Jersey Jack Pinball right now, any real problems at Stern Pinball, any real problems at a Spooky Pinball, any problems at Chicago Gaming Pinball. The only two companies where people really have been shining a spotlight on are Dutch Pinball and Highway Pinball as two companies that are misleading people into investing in them when they know all too well that they're not in a position to get people their games. And so um, I would love for Andrew Highway to go seek legal advice against me because I would love to hear a lawyer's response when uh, the lawyer asks him some very basic questions like, Andrew, 
Did you get people games that they paid for? Andrew, did you give people refunds who were who were you know who were owed it? You know, the the burden of responsibility when you take a customer's money, it falls on you, Andrew. It's not it's not my fault that any of this happened. And I think he sort of thinks that we created a run on the bank. But the person who created a run on the bank was you, Andrew. Like you're the reason why people wanted out. Because the the mismanagement of Highway Pinball, it led to the kinds of stories that podcasts like this were reporting on. It also sounded like he had a lot of other things going on. He talks about how Highway was the uh, of the single and sole priority the entire time, but then this Carl Carl company, the Hydrofoil thing, happened to be also registered and set up and licensed in, in the middle of all of this. So right. clearly it was like busy and probably distracted. Yeah, I mean, we, we all know that story of the, of the Hydrofoil sort of happening sort of parallel at the same time that alien machines were supposed to ship. And I, like, I don't have any information on whether or not any company funds were diverted. I, I'm not going to speculate on that. Um, I just think it is kind of crazy that any other business venture would start to be developed right in the middle of, of you owing people alien pinball machines. It just seems like you need to be 100% focused on these machines. A question that I did not see asked in the interview, which we have heard time and time again from the likes of Dave Sanders, is whether or not Highway Pinball paid the rent from the factories. And I didn't see that question asked. I would love to know if, if Highway Pinball was actually paying their rent or were they skipping out on those obligations? And that seemed to be one of the things that I received from people was like, this company, you should be cautious because Andrew's moving from factory to factory because they're not paying um, the rent and they're also not paying their supplier bills on time. So, yeah. So you and this rubber ducky guy, <laughs> rubber duck? Rubber ducks. I, I'm sorry, rubber ducks. Right. Um, were you guys both putting out similar information from similar sources or was you know, there, there differences in what you guys I, were saying? I've, I've never talked to I, him and I were never like in cahoots or collaborating with information. Uh, I did receive a bunch of information from um, one of Andrew's ex-employees at one point. But ex-employees are ex-employees ex- for a reason. Right. Well, that's the thing is like, look, I get it. I, I'm, 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 I'm more than open to hearing Andrew's side of the story, but I think when you start to hear um, different stories from different people, but all the stories add up, right? So you have Dave Sanders saying something, you have other mm-hmm. employees saying something. It just, you know, you zoom out and you ask, well, well, who do I believe? Do I believe all of these highway employees that are saying the same thing? Or do I believe Andrew Highway who's saying, you know, this is what actually happened. And I do, I do feel like there's a lot of blame going to, or deflection to the investor group. I mean, if you're in these investors, you're, you're, you're like, I mean, you must feel like betrayed and, 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 and so frustrated that these guys have lost so much more money than anyone else. And so they were just trying to protect themselves. So I don't know. Andrew seems like the battle between him and the investor group, it's going to be a brutal one. And I'm not even, I don't even know if he has resources to try and pursue legal action against me. But here's the thing, Andrew, I got a really good lawyer. He drives a McLaren. He would love, he would love to hear um, what we did incorrectly. Um, that led to the downfall of the company. You invited Andrew on to the show a couple of times as well, didn't you? To essentially... Yeah, Andrew's always been invited onto this show. Um, he has never accepted that invite. I, I mean, I, it's like this. I, I would happily have him on the show. Um, I, I think if you read between the lines or you hear everything he's saying, the reality is he bit off more than he can chew. And he knew that. I mean, 
he wanted to make a big pinball company that would manufacture hundreds of games a month without any knowledge of how to do that. There weren't the people in the UK that knew how to do this. I mean, he literally was trying to compete with Stern Pinball and Jersey Jack Pinball with very little institutional knowledge of how to do that. And look, do I have any empathy or sadness for someone who tries to create a big pinball venture like that? The reality is I don't. Like, don't don't claim you can do something, take people's hard-earned money, fail to deliver, and then try to blame other people. It, it, it falls 100% on the shoulders of the individual who creates that company. I have to agree. I mean, all the money in the world, if, if he was to have it, doesn't stand a chance unless you actually put in the right resources and, and you know, the right tools and the right people and framework. Yeah, and that's a, we keep hearing that recurring theme that this podcast is one of the reasons why the company like failed. And I, I also want to address that is because we all know that throwing more money at the company would not have solved the company's problems. And see, that's the thing is when you are mismanaged or you don't have the right personnel and you've got you know all of these like people there trying to figure out how to make a pinball game, more money is not going to solve the problem. Um, what they needed was more expertise. They needed also to scale up slowly. They tried to become a big co- pinball company overnight. And I think that ultimately led to the downfall. And look, I also want to say that it is disturbing that people are personally posting Andrew's home address or going after his family and stuff like that because, you know, look, this is a failed business. People lost money. Um, People should never personally threaten someone's livelihood or health or family. I think when we cross that line where people are making those kinds of threats, I, I think that is deplorable and people should be ashamed for doing that. Um, you know, I've always sort of looked at these pinball companies as as companies. You know, it, this isn't a personal attack against Andrew Highway or anything that we've done on this show. This is me questioning the company and his ability to manage that company. But I, I would never, on on a personal level, threaten him or, or anyone that is you know close to him. So, what do you think, Brendan? Do you think we're going to get um, a legal notice anytime soon? Um, no. I don't think so. I think it's a, a lot of talk. Do you think I should change the spelling of my name to Kuleris? K-O-O-L-E-R-I-S. My parents have just learned how to pronounce Kuleris, so I think we stick with that. So what do you think? Do you think we this is the final, we just closed the door? Do you think this is going to be the, the end of the highway pinball, or are we going to have a, a whole nother round of pinball brothers games and promises and lawsuits and legal battles or is there are we just at the middle of this whole saga i think if for those folks who probably have money that they're out they would love for this to continue with some semblance of hope that there will be a a shining light at the end that they could get their game that they got really excited about but if they've not renewed the license and fox knows of all this drama then why would they bother you know, renewing it. So I think you just got to acknowledge this as being the end. Draw the line in the sand, lads, and just like, just all move on. Accept it for what it is. Fail business, right. as you've already explained, and just say, this is it. Let's just like wash our hands clean and everyone go their separate ways. And, and best of luck to everyone. Yeah, best of luck. What, what lesson do you think everyone should learn from this? Unless there's an actual product you can try, test, like a goddamn car, go test drive it, then hand over your money. 
Do not hand over money until you know that either a company has proven they can produce games, such as Stern, they ain't going anywhere, right. or it's a product that some by a company you've never heard of before, but they are putting the actual ready-to-play, ready-to-ship game in front of you. Right. Yeah. No, I think we, we I think the pre-order world, the, the world of like buying something that isn't real, I think this company more than any other, um, you know, showed people that you have to be very careful. I think the hard part too is even if they make a game, you still have to be very cautious of whether or not a company can produce another game. Because Full Throttle was like a red herring for people. You know, A lot of the shills, like Hilton, they pointed at Full Throttle as, hey, look, there's nothing wrong at Highway Pinball. They've made Full Throttle. And the reason why Andrew won't answer how many Full Throttles were made is that he knows deep down inside that hardly any full throttles were sold. And because full throttle was a failure commercially, um, that really put them into a terrible financial position to make Alien. And I've always said it, full throttle was probably made with more money than Alien was made with because the company had more resources at that time. Um, All right, well... It's also only pinball, lads. Can we just like take that moment, pause, and just take a big step back from this? People who have put money down, and I know you've gone into the pre-order stuff, but you're not going in and putting like your only paycheck down. If you're doing this, I would like to think that you're in a much better financial position. This is a fun little hobby. Like big picture, guys, it's just pinball. Yeah, but you know, look, nobody wants to lose money on anything. I don't, I don't want to lose eight bucks or eight thousand bucks, and I think that we all know that for some of the people that lost money on this venture they're not rich like they can't afford to lose the money and when you buy a pinball machine for the most part it does hold its value so people don't see them as like high risk investments Um, and that's why i think there's a lot of anger right now is people's money's gone like they'll never recover that like they will never recover the eight thousand dollars they lost Um, and also their enjoyment in the hobby has sort of evaporated and I think that is what will ultimately be the legacy of, of Alien Pinball. It, it will always be looked at as something that tarnished the hobby. And, and, and such as such the, you know. It's a tough lesson to learn. Right. We kept hearing like, I'm just, you know, I just, do you think like he took full responsibility? I mean, we read the interview with him. Do you think he like, he's taking enough of the blame or do you think he's still deflecting he very Blame. much is deflecting to what, Pinball Brothers, is that what it's yeah, called? Yeah, the investor group. But I, I did get a sense of apology, a, a little bit. He, he is accepting a little bit of responsibility, but I don't think his eyes are really open to the grandeur of, of his involvement and how he, as an individual, possibly could have managed this better and, and uh, set, everyone's, set everyone's expectations more uh, from the onset and, and right. have not resulted to where he is today. I, I think when I, when I read his responses, I think that... He knowingly did mislead people at times, but I think he sees that as a moment of survival. Like for this company to survive, I need to get more money coming in. And he definitely knew when he told people, if you pay in full for your alien and you're gonna have it in a couple weeks, he knew that games were not on the line. He knew that the factory was not up and running. Um, But I think a lot of what he did, he probably sees it as survival tactics and, and that, you know, and that sort of absolves him of, of the real remorse that I think he should feel around misleading people. So, look, the story is, it is what it is. This is the final chapter. 
I think that Pinball Brothers will not be successful, especially if they're making Queen. I don't think that's a title people really want. Um, I think it's cool. Queen? Yeah. Especially if they've got like, some really good songs in there. Really? Some great artwork. Yeah. I think it's only going to play under pressure on, on loop. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, Brenda. Well, thank you for sitting down with me and, and indulging me in a, in, a, in a podcast about this. I, um, I, I've got my lawyer waiting to receive any uh, legal advice I might need to uh, plan for. But Andrew also said that he's, he's pursuing legal action. And I do think when he finds out that nothing this show has done or reported uh, is illegal. Nothing I have said was slanderous or libelous. In fact, if you remember what I did last year during Alien Day, or, or maybe, yeah, it was, it was basically just in Andrew's own words. All the things he said about the company, the company's performance, it was all just him hanging himself in a way. And, and I think now Andrew just needs to say, I'm sorry, I got in over my head, it's over, goodbye. I think that's it. It's time to just like bury the hatchet. And I don't think any people should be threatening him or, or trying to cause harm to his family. You invested in a company. It didn't work out. Such is life. It's like buying stock in a company that you know goes under. Move on. The money's gone. You're not getting your games. You will have anger. You will have hatred towards um, you know the company. But let's let's let you know, this dying company die and, and move on. Any other final words, Brenda? Can we get breakfast now? Yep. We're going to go eat. Everyone, enjoy your Sunday. Um, this has been episode 236 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. I thank all of you for listening. Uh, email me at canadapinball at gmail.com. And we're closing in. We're closing in on on having more episodes than Coast to Coast Pinball. I think we're going to have to do a milestone show when we surpass uh, Nate, who uh, is still one of my favorite pinball podcasts. I also want to, I want to close this podcast by just saying one final thought. Um, I just want to say that I do enjoy and support all the pinball podcasters that are out there. You know, Bro, do even talk pinball? Straight down the middle, pinball, slam tilt, head to head pinball, coast to coast, uh, Little Kings pinball podcast, the pinball players podcast. I do uh, every once in a while. People will uh, email me. Or, or send me a screen grab where other pinball podcasts are either making fun of me or talking smack about me. And it's all in good fun. I don't have any ill will towards any of those other podcasts. I listen to them. I enjoy them. I think you should too. Uh, and I think that uh, if people are saying nasty things about Canada's Pinball Podcast, uh, I think that just means we're doing something right. And I thank all of you. You know who you are, the 1,500 loyal listeners of this show of this Twippy award-winning podcast. I think now we can also say that we're also the only pinball podcast that is now potentially about to be sued. So not only are we, we the best Twippy podcast, but we're also the most controversial and legally um, <laughs> disruptive podcast out there. So thank you. And you're all to, to thank for that, all right? Get those Twippy votes ready. We're gonna, we're gonna do two years in a row, and then we're gonna have the ultimate celebration if we do that. All right, everyone, have a great Sunday. Bye.